most recent round of Aussie footy, uh, I learned a few things here, Donnie, uh, whether it be from the games or from some of the interaction on, uh, let's call it social media and YouTube. Uh, one, learned that Geelong, absolutely a legit threat at the premiership, and right now they're my favorite. Number two, don't sleep on the ruse, because you sleep on the ruse, you're going to get, get bit, or... I don't know what the reason. You're going to get kicked, I, I guess. Let, let's use that one. And Brisbane almost found out the hard way. And three, don't even mention changing the rules of Australian football because after I put out my whole spiel uh, about looking into adding overtime into the AFL, um, let's just say the YouTube comments weren't, uh, and even the Reddit comments weren't very pleased with that one. <laughs> so, guys... I'll stay away from that. I apologize. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Fourth and Long AFL Breakdown. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by the coach, Donnie Hassan. Donnie, how are we feeling after another round? Only five games, but still tons of action and possibly match of the year. Oh, five, ga- five games, but absolutely two rather cracking bookends to it. Both the first and the last games of the round are absolutely awesome. Unfortunately, a nice soft jelly centered with not such competitive games in those three ones in the middle and, and not to humble brag, but pulling five and oh, and in my tipping went, went pretty well for me. I know it's a, it's a small win, small win. But, hey, I will bend there too. Uh, if I so. didn't want to be bold with gold coast, you bastards. <laughs> that one did, that one didn't go over too well, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't work out <laughs> the way I thought it would. Oh, oh man. man! But it's really, which is really, really funny because you bring. I saw the statistic come up that they said since since round twelve, the last three years, Gold Coast has only won three games in the last seven years, three games mm-hmm. or less every year after round twelve. Oh, well, I was kind of hoping that'd be one of the three, but I guess not. But here we are. Uh, thank you so guys so much for listening. Always appreciate it. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, I do read all the comments. I do read everything you leave on socials. And so I just want to say really appreciate that. Fan interaction is what make this makes uh, this show go around. And that's one of the reasons that we are the American voice of Australian football. But, Donnie, let's stop hesitating. Let, let's stop jawjacking. Let's get into things properly because, oh, boy, we started off with an absolute bang of this run. I swear, I think we've only had maybe one kind of bad Friday night game, but pretty much like all of them have really hit. And so it's been uh, super fantastic, really good um, scheduling and matchmaking by uh, by the AFL. But we started off with Geelong versus the Western Bulldogs. And man, I, we finally got one this season, Donnie, after the siren goal. And this was just super fantastic. Gary Rohan sinks it from about 50. And it's just one of his two goals in this game. But there's just a really fun really back and forth game and it was close all the way through 
And the doggies look like they're about to pull it off. But then the cats just barely grab that win at the last second. And I don't know what else to say besides, man, this is just a really damn good game of footy. Oh, just just an incredible game. Very back and forth. I mean, the doggies did not. You, you can't you can't lower your heads if you're a doggie supporter or a doggies player because they they it was still a really good game. GMHBA is such such a difficult place to play. The cats play the skinny ground so well, so well. And, and Gary Rowan, I mean, ice water in his veins. I mean, and I'm not sure if you knew this, but in 2000, this isn't the first time he's kicked in after the siren goal. To win a game in 2017, he did the same thing for the Sydney Swans against the Essendon Bombers. A little bit closer, not not nearly as difficult a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, it's Gary Rowan. You, you got to give the guy some credit to be able to to slot that one home. And, and the reaction of Coach Scott in the in the press box, <laughs> in, in, in the coach's cold. box, was absolutely. <laughs> it was almost as good as the goal call because it was just spectacular to see him absolutely lose absolutely lose his mind with excitement the energy was there to, to see fans at the at the ground as well in victoria is awesome which is which is really really good knowing that the the uh, afl and the, and the victorian government have confirmed there will be crowds this week in the melbourne venues which is absolutely awesome mm-hmm. it'll be low it'll be about 20 30 percent max yep. but still crowds at the footy in Victoria is good. Now we just have to cross our fingers that the cluster now that's popped up in Sydney won't become an issue, unfortunately. So there might be some issues when it comes to the Sydney Swans uh, Port Adelaide game. What time that will actually go is still up for debate other than that. But no, absolutely cracking game. In fact, funny story, I'll tell you this, is I was watching the game mm-hmm. and normally on Fridays I go grocery, I go grocery shopping every couple of weeks just because I have Fridays off. And I was actually in the store when Gary Rowan kicked the goal. I was listening to it on my head on my headphones, uh, listening <laughs> to the AFL Live app, and I almost fell over because I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it uh, how crazy this goal was. So when I got home, first thing I did, I had to rewind it yeah. and watch the last two minutes of the game. Just an incredible goal kick and so much fun, and, and just another great start to the week of footy. Yes, there was only five games, but a great start is an exciting, exciting game of footy to mm-hmm. start off. Yeah, I feel like I look kind of like a dumbass just the way I was staring at my phone so intensely, kind of shaking my fist when I was at the gym. I, I was stretching. <laughs> I was trying to pay attention to it, watch it. And it was, oh, man. I, I finished. I was kind of following along. I took a break from it um, so I could, like, pitch a couple, like, like uh, little stretches. Then I get back to it. And right when I get back to it, it's like t- um, Gary said, you know, for that free kick. So it was perfect timing. And, man, it really just could not have worked out much better than that. The one downside to this game, though, is that there's a couple injury worries for either team. Uh, for Geelong, Mitch Duncan possibly out until finals. And also, the Bulldogs do lose Aaron Nod in this one. Um, out of these two injuries, which one do you think will hurt the most for the respective teams? Well, Duncan's will be more severe because it is a guaranteed loss probably until the late rounds, if not even, as you said, almost into the finals. Aaron Naughton did make the trip. The what the Bulldogs actually kind of a weird schedule is they went back to mainland, main, main Victoria, main Melbourne, and actually got on the plane the next day because they had to do seven days of quarantine in mm. Perth before they could play. And Naughton was on the trip, so there's still some kind of there's still some talk. Maybe Naughton might actually not miss any games. They're they're, they're not sure. That'd be remarkable there's, if he does because it, it would look like a funky little thing he suffered. 
It would be. We're we're, we're hoping there's there's no broke. It's not a broken rib or anything. Or maybe hoping that maybe it's just a bru- a bruise on, along the abdomen, uh, right there. But we'll just have to see. But it, it was it was definitely painful for him. But Mitch Duncan is the bigger one because it is a guaranteed miss of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you have Dangerfield getting back comfortable, and, and that and that Cats midfield is quite deep. But still, Mitch Duncan is a. a, a the depth of a strength usually when it goes down it does decrease the team mm-hmm. a little bit so i would say mitch duncan just because we know he will miss games it'd be huge if they can get non back this course though well when we get into our tipping later in the show uh the doggies are going to be taking on the almost always dangerous and always prime for upset west coast eagles especially since this is taking place in optus you need to have all. You need to have all hands on deck. It doesn't matter how bad the West Coast team is coming into the game. As long as it's Optus, you you gotta be at your best. Uh, so certainly interesting. Going to have to keep an eye on that as we get closer to game time. Now the next game is, I guess, one of the is and no, it's hands down the worst one of the round. Um, unless you're a poor Adelaide fan, then you're quite happy with this. The thing here, though, is that we. The, the theme stays constant. Poor Adelaide, they can't be the top eight team, but they steamroll anyone outside that top eight. And this game was exactly like how the rest of the season's been going. They beat the Suns by 50 with Connor Rosie leading with three goals. Um, man, and I think the guy that you have to talk about now is none other than that man, Ollie, because he is absolutely balling out of control this year, whether it be goals. Or whether it just be another 40-plus disposal game, he finishes this one with 43. So, a couple questions that I want to ask you uh, um, specifically about this game. One is that I've been seeing this take on some socials, and that is, that is Gold Coast a failure? Um, then, secondly, can Ollie Wines win the Brownlow this season? Oh, well, Ollie Wines has definitely put himself on on the front road mm-hmm. to the Brownlow with just all of his disposals, but he makes impacts. But the other thing you got to look at, too, is where does Port finish? Because the one thing I've tended to notice is the, the Brownlow medalist is almost always in the finals, mm-hmm. almost always in the finals, and usually is a team that goes a little bit deeper or is usually a top four side. Port isn't currently, but again, Ollie Wines' performances have been high disposal ratings and usually the referees notice that usually the umpires my apologies sorry <laughs> i really yeah, don't, don't want to get sick off air if you keep saying that I, I, know, I know i know i know i can't make that mistake umpires <laughs> umpires notice that and usually when you have a high disposal game you usually get the three votes so i would say right now ollie white it's hard to argue ollie wines is not one of the favorites next to the Marcus Bontempelli's of the world when it comes to the Brownlow medal. When it comes to the Gold Coast Suns, oh, it's... You hate going failure, but something about this is just not working. Unfortunately, everybody... I, I think so many people were so excited when Stewie Doo took the job because Stewie Doo brought in this, this fresh new thought process. Mm-hmm. When he first started, it seemed like things were progressing, and I know... Many of the people that have seen the the Amazon documentary says that he's such a he's such a great coach. He's he's so good with the with the younger players. But unfortunately, each and every coach since the start of the Gold Coast Suns has had a lower and lower win percentage 
as they've gone on as the Gold Coast coach. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the highest Gold Coast has ever finished in a season is 12. So, yes, there, there are a lot of arguments. There are a lot of people. It, it is making more and more noise each year that maybe the, the AFL is wasting money in the Gold Coast and that now there's talks is, do you fold the Gold Coast Suns, put all their players, cut their contracts, make them all free agents, mm -hmm. start the Tassie team, which is picking up steam, especially what we'll talk about the game later. One of the games down in Tassie that was an absolute success, yes. not only because of the game, but also because of the fans. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later. There, there's growing outcry that the Suns maybe aren't working. Unfortunately, many athlete, many sports teams, clubs that have tried the Gold Coast, it's a very hard town to get athlete to get athletics going many teams have not been successful even mm -hmm. rugby has had a hard time in the gold coast and that's queensland which is rugby central so it, there's more and more calls I, I know there's still some in the afl that are very stubborn that say maybe you just need the right things and now their president is calling for more reparate more money he says maybe if we get more money if you change our soft cap because of finances maybe we can bring in better coaches mm -hmm. then we can retain superstar players we can get veterans and we can make this a winning team but unfortunately it's kind of like a really crappy old car you could put money in it to keep it running and keep it running and running but eventually it's going to crap out mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this is what it just kind of seems like is maybe the Gold Coast is that old car that we can't keep sinking money in because it's just not going to fix the problem completely because something else is going to go wrong. I want it to work because yeah. this second team in Queensland, Brisbane is great, but it gives that it, it's a market that the that the AFL want. They want mm -hmm. the Gold Coast market. They want to know that they're successful in the Gold Coast market and, and they're being super stubborn. And I agree with, with uh, one of the shows that I watch called First Crack. They agree that as long as Gil McLaughlin, the, the CEO, CEO of the AFL, is there, that is his baby. Gold yeah. Coast is his baby. Gold Coast isn't going anywhere as long as he is still CEO. Mm -hmm. Until he retires or until he steps down, Gold Coast is not going anywhere. So we're really going to have to see how this plays out. This is not something that's going to change this year next year maybe three to four years this is future but how much longer will the patience for the gold coast mm -hmm. stay because each and every year unfortunately after round 12 it's the predictable gold coast slide they start losing games and this is about the time they start losing games and it starts getting hard to watch gold coast games because it happens every mm -hmm. year and it's very very frustrating and I, I know how hard it is, not only for the Gold Coast fans that have latched on to this footy team, but I think for all the people that see that maybe this just is not working. I think there is a few different things that you have to look about if you want to fully answer this question. Um, those being members, um, average home crowd, and also profit or loss or what, what their um, you know, end balance is looking like. So in 2011, when they first became a team, they started with 14,000 members. And currently, uh, or at least after 2020, they were sitting at a little over 16,000. So that's about increasing about, uh, let's say, uh, 2,200 fans right there. 
Um, they've more than uh, more often than not they've seen a increase in memberships after seasons. Right now they have three years in a row of increase in memberships. In 2018 it was up about 500. In 2019 is about up by about 1500. And now in 2020 it was up by a little more um, than 2500. So that's positive. The one thing though is that of course 2011 hot new team they had almost they had 19,000 uh, fans at their average home games. They've dropped as of 2019 with the most recent numbers to just about 11 and a half thousand. But if we want to talk profits, because ultimately I mean Donnie, we all know so with any sports teams uh, or the NFL is a business, and and what's that business about? It's about making money. They have, more often than not, turned a profit, with their biggest one being in 2018, where they turned about $1.16 million in profit. Uh, they also have had some bad years, most important in 2016, when they lost about $3 million. Uh, so obviously that, that's not a good look. But they've been up from 20000 and about $1.1, and then they've been up $250 um, in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Number still to be determined for 2020. So... There is success. It's just very marginal. And you just want to, I think, ultimately, is it worth the effort? I'd say as of right now, yeah. Because, I I mean, I, I like the more teams, the better. There's the talks about putting 20 uh, teams soon um, in the next number of years. You can keep this team. You can move it to, uh, to Tasmania. You can move it to the capital city. But I think Gold Coast should say Gold Coast, at least. At least for the time being. Well, and, and here's here's a little bit of context too. Is one of those first few years they did bring in Gary Ablett Jr., which I think brought in a lot of people's eyes to the Gold Coast because when he first came up there, everybody wanted to see Gary Ablett Jr., the, the son of the great Gary Ablett, one of the best players in the league at the time, coming up to play at Gold Coast. So I think those first like the best year that they ever had, where they finished twelfth. Gary Ablett had them in the eight at the time, but he got his shoulder. He separated his shoulder around 13 or 14 and the rest of his season was basically shot. Gold coast tanked, dropped down to 12, didn't make the finals. So there's a little bit of context of why this, this is so weird because since then, since really after Gary Ablett left, I mean, it's been a mass exodus. I mean, like, like we had talked about several weeks ago, they put out their all decade team and, 12 of their starting 22 are all wearing different jumpers for different teams. <laughs> and, and here's the other thing that I think a lot of people, especially around Gold Coast, are scared about is that you've got guys like Isaac Rankin, Nick Lacocious, Anderson, Raul, and and, and Ben King and, and, and King. Those five guys right there, they have to keep them in the Gold Coast because mm -hmm. if they go, and that's in the next two years. If they go, this thing will not go anywhere because it, it they can't just keep giving these the Gold Coast first overall, second overall compensation picks and get eight to ten fresh eighteen year olds who were superstar players and put them on a team and expect them to win because they're the best players on the team. They don't always have the work ethic you're going to need. You don't always have a Tuke Miller who is working his tail off mm -hmm. for the Gold Coast. But unfortunately, he's surrounded by superstars who don't have the same effort as him. And that's the most frustrating, I think, for me, as I watch a team that really is made of superstars that after a while, when it gets a little tough, they stop working. Mm -hmm. And that's the most frustrating part about it. And I think that's the reason why 
for me purely on the field, you could almost say this has been a failure. I, I agree with the boardroom stuff, the mm-hmm. finances and all that, and, and, and the, the fan support. It is deemed a little bit of a success because at least it's growing. But unfortunately, on the field, it is hard to argue that this has not been a monumental disaster. 100%. It's uh, one thing to argue with the numbers. It's another thing to argue with the scoreboard. Uh, two, two very different. Uh, um, I think both those numbers are trending in opposite directions at this point. Um, speaking about trending in the opposite direction. Eh, maybe not. Trending down. Let's go with that as a segue. Trending down. Let's talk about the North Melbourne Ruse. Uh Their game against Brisbane looked like hell. They they have a chance in this one. They were even up in the second. But this was a surprising game to me just because Brisbane just looked... They just looked off. I, I think that's a, a, maybe a nice way to put it. I mean, going 9-14 against this Roos team isn't really the best. Keeping them in the game for as long as they did. They really didn't pull away until about halfway through the fourth quarter. And, yeah, they win by 23. But this game was a lot closer than the final score showed. And if you're a Lions fan, you were really worried about this one all the way through, especially considering what North Melbourne did to a, a solid GWS team. They got, they should have won that game. If it wasn't for the GWS comeback, they would have won and the, in the draw. But Brisbane, I would say, escape this game against the Ruse. And how worried should this team be um, by their performance over round 14? Well, okay, this this is kind of a, ta- a tale of two things here. Um, if you're it, let's 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 switch jerseys really quick for who we're, who we're talking about. I think if you're a Melbourne Ruse fan, this is a, a continued show that your team is not giving up. They're continuing to battle. Mm-hmm. They are making teams that are above them work. This is it. This isn't the walk in the park. Like North Melbourne was at the start of the year. They're a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. You get Taron Thomas back. Zebel's having a really good year. Aaron Hall's having a good year. Goldstein in the ruck is playing really well. Zerha has become a target up front and has been able to kick goals. I don't know if this is more an indictment on Brisbane or more showing that North Melbourne is not the easy four points that a lot of people thought they were going to be at the start of the season. You know, that's I mean, made me very happy considering it's making me seem a little bit smarter and like I kind of know what I'm talking about because earlier in the season, about like five, six rounds ago, I was talking, hey, let's not sleep on the roost because although they may be losing, I really like the grit they're showing and then this grit is what's keeping them in games and... Game of draws and almost winning against top four teams. Exactly. Well, and, and here and let's let's we'll flip sides here real quick. This is a little bit of the Brisbane that we've seen years before. Inaccurate in front of goal, but they put up points. They win games because they just outpoint you. Mm-hmm. This is the Brisbane win that you that you don't mind because you win it ugly. You win it in a game you didn't have your best stuff. Yes, you were missing your captain. Zorko was out due to suspension due to the high hit from the previous round before the bye week. So that makes a ton of sense that this team is just a tiny bit off. And Tassie is never easy to play. North always plays really well down in Tasmania. So the Brisbane Lions getting a win here, you, you kind of chalk it up to we're on the road. Mm-hmm. It's the first game back from a bye. We're missing our captain in Zorko. You kind of go, okay, we're good. It's you kind of you take a few things out of it and you, and you move from there. Again, 
North is just going to make teams work. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do it easy. I mean, they took Melbourne to mid fourth quarter before Melbourne got on a roll. Mm -hmm. So Brisbane really much because really from the start of the fourth quarter through the end of the fourth quarter, they really kind of pulled a close game under two goals to over three goals. So you kind of expanded your lead a little bit. You never really, North Melbourne was never really in the game. Most of it was around the 20 point mark. So Brisbane really won kind of comfortably in the end. Mm -hmm. So like I said, for North, you take the positives for Brisbane. You kind of go, okay, we escaped Tassie with four points. We escaped a, a, a very a, a North Melbourne team that if you didn't look at them on the ladder, you'd think they're mid-pack because mm -hmm. they're tough. They're, they're in games. They don't give up easy. They play good defensive footy when they need to. They make you earn everything that you get, and, and that's kind of the way it is. Unfortunately, their ladder position, you wouldn't think so because mm -hmm. they're way down there at the bottom. I think they're going to crawl back into this. If I'm Hawthorne, I'd be a little bit concerned. North, is, <laughs> North, I think North is playing a little bit better, mm -hmm. um, or or even Gold Coast, and so we'll, we'll definitely have to see. But this this North team it, it, that that is not. If you're the Brisbane Lions, that is not a scary a, a, a close win as you would think, because I think North's a much better team than they, than they showed early in the season. Great point with that one. And just real quick, while we're on the topic of Ruse and Kangaroos, I've been seeing some things going around with the whole, that apparently there's a problem with Kangaroos jumping onto cars or into windshields and, and just all around being a bunch of pests. Um, Don, I don't know if you know anything about this one. If you want to confirm or deny it, but if you want to leave a comment, um, you Aussies listen to it. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if, if you want to leave a comment, say it, it, let me know if they're actually a problem because I'm really curious about this one. Everything that I've heard, they're kind of like deer. They can be really, really annoying in certain ways, and then they can be fascinating in others. I think it really kind of depends. I saw this really funny go on. video. I think it's on the country. There's a, there's, there's a man driving. And then there's a, a kangaroo on the side. It kind of, it was in the road, then kind of hopped off. And then out of nowhere, it jumps at the car into the windshield, breaks the windshield, and then runs off. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, boy. Oh, jump, jumped and off. It doesn't, doesn't then you just really heard run. that angry Aussie just shouting everything at that ruin. It was a really funny video. <laughs> feel bad for the guy because that would just be really damn annoying. But another, Do you another run funny... away? Kangaroos run at you, I guess. Mm, yeah, well, another f interesting one I saw is actually is it's actually filmed on a footy field, and they're kicking. I think they're in the midfield, and it's on one uh, it's on one side of the field closest mm -hmm. to the camera. And there's like three or four just kind of grazing. And when the footy comes, they slowly start kind of. And the closer the footy gets, the faster they and they eventually hop off the field. But it's really kind of funny. It's like just to see that they're they're grazing on the one the one part of the the pocket that nobody's at, and as the when he gets closer to them, they're like, okay, we're out. <laughs> so it's That's really funny. Also, so. secondary question, which animal is more annoying to you, the kangaroos or the emus? Uh, because one is seems like a pest of cars. The other one you had a war against. So I would love to know uh, your, your actual thoughts on this one. Uh, I know we got a little bit off topic, so uh, maybe we get back on topic here with the next game being GWS and Carlton. And yeah... It was, this is a constantly underperforming Carlton team. This is one that's been probably the biggest disappointment of the season, but especially as a GWS supporter, I um, am just really happy with this win because they go out, they bounce back from a disappointing draw to a team that is better than they are, but still 
you don't want to draw to the last team in the league. Uh, you, that I think that's safe to say. I don't know if that's too much of a hot take. But GWS, they got a, a hot start in this one. They never trail in this game to the Blues um, at home. And this made me feel a little more comfortable uh, with this Giants team as a, as a fan of them. It, it brought back some confidence, uh, especially with Toby Green in his return game. He gets four goals, a couple behinds. And a solid 20, um, 20 disposals on this one. I know Donnie, we're going to have... He definitely has a little bit more words to say about this man specifically. Also, Joel Selwood um, later after our round recap. So here in about eh, a couple games or so. Never know how long that takes with us two talking. Uh, but also, another fantastic performance by uh, Jeremy Finlayson. As he just puts the whole team on his back. He gets five goals, 29 disposals. Um, and then he also just, man, he, he was everywhere on that field. And it's so refreshing to see that. He had a little bit of a down year with, I mean, last year was weird. And so I don't want to put too much weight into that. But he's looking closer to his 2019 season where he put up 45 goals that year. So he's, that offense and that leg is back. And that's going to be a huge boost for the Giants. Um, just maybe give him a little more depth, a little more amount of goal scores that they have on the team. And this is the kind of offense that they have to have if they want to make that push into the finals, which I think they can. We'll talk about the finals picture um, a little before we get to, you know, Selwood and Toby Green and, and Donnie's uh, rant with that one. But on the other side of the, the footy, if you're the Blues, it's almost like you're at the point where you might have to just grit your teeth and try to get through the season as quick as possible because you're not really going to be able to change anything until you get to the offseason is what it's looking like. Oh, man. This this goal, GWS could not have asked for an absolutely best-case scenario opponent <laughs> after the draw against North Melbourne is playing a Carlton team that mm-hmm. is absolutely defensively inept. <laughs> and and it's it's really the it's really the easiest way to say it. GWS capitalized on a Carlton team that defensively is absolutely in shambles. They cannot figure out how to play defense. Mm-hmm. They're as leaky as a fa- they're as leaky as an old faucet, and they give up goals. And GWS capitalized and capitalized and continued capitalizing through this entire game. I mean, when you have two superstars in, in Jeremy Finlayson and Toby Green go go for like nine, I think it was nine goals altogether combined. Yep. Nine goals combined. And just, I mean, there was nothing really Carlton could do. I mean, Nick Newman was put on Toby Green, and Toby Green made him look absolutely, I mean, amateurish. I mean, with how easy Toby Green was getting open. Mm-hmm. And and I gotta, I gotta say really quickly before we go to, did you see Toby Green's torp goal that he kicked from like, I think it was like sixty after. I think I think it was going into halftime mm-hmm. or during a quarter break. Did you see that? I don't know. It was kind of everywhere on the GWS social media. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. And I got it. I got to admit, you always love seeing the good old fashioned torp being thrown in there. And, and he, he absolutely flushed it. A, a great game. But this is GWS capitalizing on Carlton. And again, seeing Matty DeBoer back, Phil Davis back. I mean, you still have Canelio to come back. I mean, this is a GWS team that they are getting healthy at the right time. They are going to need it. And as we kind of talked last week, that two points they got against North Melbourne, they're disappointing to give up the draw. Mm -hmm. Now it puts them in this nice little thing because now if, if Richmond or West Coast or Sydney 
stumble here in the next couple of weeks. Gold Coast wins a couple of games. Gold GWS is in the finals. Yeah. So this there's still there's still some that there's still some talk among some of the people whether whether are are the final eight that are set now that are there now are they the eight that are going to make the finals and i agree i'm not sure if we should really shut that down because you still have acidin they're only two games back mm-hmm. got gws that are a game and a half back you just don't know how richmond west coast sydney are and port even i would even put port especially with robbie gray's injury um you just don't know how those four are going to do because if one of them come back this next round and they lose two or three, two or three straight mm-hmm. GWS and Essendon are right there. If they continue to play now, we'll have to see Essendon's road. These next couple of games aren't easy. I think they've got Melbourne and Geelong for their next two games. So it's not exactly. Yeah. Melbourne and Geelong are the Essendon's next two games. So that's not exactly easy for them. They got to win at least one of those two and GWS, this GWS, this week's got Hawthorne should be four points, but you never know, especially mm-hmm. with the North Melbourne one. And then GWS gets Melbourne. So these next two games, these next two games for GWS, you're looking at it on paper. You're at least one and one. If you can steal that game against Melbourne, you put yourself in really good odds going into the last five or six going in to the last six rounds of the season. But um, no, just a, a strong performance by GWS, keeping the momentum going, and and the questions just continue at Carlton. Is is Dave T is is Coach Teague the right man for the job? Do they have the right players? What's are the list managers? Are, are who's going to survive the potential purge this off season after another season that's lost with no finals? And very little positive hope, really, in the in, in the mirrors of the Carlton Footy Club. And then the last game of the round was a rematch. If we're going back to the very beginning of the season, this was a game from round one between Hawthorne and Essendon. Hawthorne took that first one, but Essendon they get a little bit of payback uh, from that game. They get a solid team win, I would say, on this, uh, especially on the back uh, of Jake Stringer. And team win, maybe as in, you know, you had a few guys contributing, but what it looked like. I mean, let, let's look at Jake Stringer's game real quick. 29 disposals, so going along with the four goals. Six clearances, seven tackles, 12 score involvements. And at times where it looked like Essendon might be losing some steam, they might be slowing down, it was Jake that pulled them right back up. And it, at times it looked like he really just grabbed that team, put them over his shoulder, and was just marching with them down the field because he was kind of carrying this team for some of the game. Um, also, you know, he got some help. Darcy Parrish and Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, those guys are always going to be in the mix. It, it seems like Tip and Woody is already putting up a, a two-goal, uh, one-behind kind of kind of game. And it looks like Parrish is all, always getting like 20, 30 disposals. So I love the consistency that both those guys bring it, it's nice because those aren't i mean paris if you, those 30 to 40 disposal games those are huge but mcdonald took and woody with you know two goals and behind that is a huge performance but if you can get that almost every game that's a really really good player to have uh, uh, of course i mean that guy can just kick a goal from anywhere too which is super convenient uh and i i still think that Essendon has a fantastic future. If I got to ask a question, uh, and mostly to, to the listeners, is uh, which is it? Because either I say that, when I say 
uh, Essendon is going to be a premiership team within five years. I have half the people tell me that that's a lukewarm take at best. And I got half the people saying that I'm a moron for thinking that. So <laughs> I really don't know which one to go with here. Uh, Donnie, maybe you can help me out with this one. <laughs> Well, here's here's the thing. I don't think you're jumping off too high a limb on this one because if you really if you really look at it, th- there's that nice young core on this team. Parrish is starting to kind of grow into it, but again, they have they, they do have to re-sign him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stringer has a great game, but Stringer occasionally is kind of hot and cold. He's Jekyll Hyde. Sometimes he's absolutely spectacular, like this game, and then there's a game where he's almost incognito you don't know where he is did kind he play did like he... a kale hooker sometimes a, li- a little bit unfortunately but but i think there, there were there were two performers that that i really thought stood out that that they may not have been these they they may not be the star studded but they made impacts and that's um harrison jones mm-hmm. the, the really tall forward had several really good marks goes two goals one behind with 14 disposals on it and ends up getting the rising star uh, for Essendon, their second rising star of the season behind Nick Cox, the the young wingman, the the fleet-footed wingman from the draft this last year. And then another one that I've really been impressed with because he stepped into Adam Sod's place and has almost been an upgrade, and that's Nick Hind. He, go, he goes 25 disposals, a goal in this game, and just another, I mean, he was absolutely everywhere. But not only was he good going forward, but he also has 10 intercept marks during the game. He's absolutely everywhere. He runs through the middle, has several run and bounces through the game. So this was a game where it wasn't just like, yes, Stringer goes absolutely bananas, 29 disposals, four goals, and the one one-handed goal, which is absolutely, I mean, ridiculous that he does, that he pulls that off. But it's just consistency. Heppel from the defense, 24 disposals. Zach Merritt, the, the midfielder who just re-signed with the club, 27 disposals. Ridley, 25 disposals. Lank, Lankford, 19 disposals with a goal. Parrish, as we discussed earlier, 24 disposals, but a goal late that really sealed it for him. Sam Draper, the new incoming Rockman, has a great has a great game in this one with 15 disposals and 18 hitouts, keeping his team in the game. This was just a really good depth performance by this Essendon team to where I'm I know there's some people that kind of bash you on that and Mm -hmm. and it was very interesting to see some of the responses but I don't think you're I don't think you're too far (laughs) off because they have really they've grabbed Richmond's style they've thrown in a few different differentiations to it but if they can keep if they can sign Parrish if they can get Stringer on on a modest contract and there's talk they may have some money that the Josh Dunkley deal that they had originally discussed over the offseason, mm-hmm. the Western Bulldogs midfielder, there's still talk that that could still happen. Or Adam Chera from the Fremantle Dockers mm-hmm. is still out there. We, we, we'll kind of see. I mean, Essendon, and you still have Dylan Shield to mm-hmm. come back. You still, you, you may even, you may have some of the injuries. So this is an Essendon team that honestly, I, they've they've got the most bright light on them right now because they just play this fun style of footy they're mm-hmm. exciting to watch yes. i stayed up for this game in norton Nor- this game started 12 20 a.m my time oh good for you but Tommy. i want but i wanted to stay up because i thought this game was going to be really really good and <laughs> the crowd in tassie was absolutely amazing they sold out the stadium they're always great they're always it great. was 
absolutely spectacular it was so much fun to watch this the Essendon fans were absolutely everywhere normally this is Hawthorne's home game normally Hawthorne's got the base crowd but it was like 80% Essendon so it was absolutely spectacular see, I mean shout out to, 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 to um, Tasmania because there's one of the reasons why I believe if they're looking to expand to 20 teams within like the next 3-5 seasons one team should be in Tasmania proper and like have all their, their home games there and then maybe one can there We'll have to see. Like I said, um, I mean, I would love to, and, and I've stated this numerous times, and I know this is going to be weird, but if they could get a 20-team competition and put a team in Tassie and a team in the Northern Territories, whether they played in Darwin, whether they played uh, or, or wherever they played, if they played in the Northern Territory, the Northern Territory team, if you could get a 20-team roster where you can get all these 20 teams, then you'd have all the states covered, Northern Territory, mm-hmm. all of them. I think they would be spectacular for the competition. I know there's people that are going to say, there's not enough talent as it is. You've already, you're, you're only going to, yes, but here's the thing, no. If you get more people going into the Tiwi Islands and the Northern Territory and more of Western Australia, there is talent there that can be tapped. And if you can get into it and you can get more and more people playing footy in New South Wales and Queensland, you start expanding your proper I think you have enough to be able to do it, mm-hmm. but we'll have to see because as you kind of as you kind of said with your overtime conversation, <laughs> many in the AFL community are very staunch in their tradition. Changes bad, and, and I don't begrudge them from. No, that. I, I completely understand. I completely understand. Like I, I, I hate some changes they've been making to baseball and football. I totally understand. And and, and 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 I I appreciate that that stance with tradition, but again, the game has got to progress as we go on. And I think it would be really awesome to have a twenty-team competition, to where you would play nineteen teams once, and then you'd play a couple of your rivals to get your twenty-two man, or you just go to a nineteen-game season, and you maybe have two buys during the season to keep these kids because the travel is going to be even more because yeah. you'd have to go to NT and Tassie now more often. Mm-hmm. Play a nineteen-game season, give them two buys to where you're still playing twenty-two, twenty-three rounds, and then you go to the finals from there. But we'll, we'll have to see. Again, I'm I know radical coach has the the. the <laughs> The, the YouTube comments are going to light me up on this one. I don't, I, I, but just they're, they're food for thought. Mm-hmm. So. And I think uh, going back to Essen specifically, I think my favorite thing uh, about this team, and I think my, my kind of indication that they're going to be a good team in the future is that they have this really solid young core that they're going to be able to keep for years and really to build off of. And they still have the ability, like you were kind of talking about, to bring in some veterans, to bring some extra talent from outside the team. And so if you have that that solid young court that they have, it's so much easier to build off of that instead of having to buy and, and, and get players from all over the place and try to build them as quick as possible. Essendon, they're doing team building almost perfectly. And so that is going to pay dividends for them as the years come but uh, we'll love to hear what all your guys' thoughts and comments I mean you're going to drop them in, in the comments or on the socials anyway so I'm just going to be nice and, and prompt you to do so I <laughs> uh, really love you guys but all your thoughts about the round uh, maybe Essendon specifically and, and see which kind of what your hot take of the round might be the best one we will shout that one out um, obviously I, I 
would have to do that. Uh, but as we move on to our round wrap up, just want to take a look at the current finals picture right now. As it stands, the top eight goes Melbourne, Doggies, Geelong, Brisbane, Port Adelaide, Sydney, West Coast, and Richmond. 9 and 10, and really the, the two teams that had the best chance, I guess, Fremantle is tied with Essendon in points. So Frio is right there at 11, but realistically, not as much. The two teams, more than likely, that will make it in uh, out, that are in the top eight right now is GWS and Essendon. GWS is 26, Essendon 24. And the two teams most likely to drop out is the 7-8 team in West Coast and Richmond. West Coast being at 32 points, Richmond being at 28 points. So, Donnie, out of those, let's focus on, on the two teams in the top eight still. Out of, uh, between West Coast and Richmond, which team do you think is more likely to drop out of the top eight? Oh, I love how you phrase that question because if you if you listen to footy media, you, there's a team the the team you missed is the one everybody talks about, and I, I I'm I'm gonna bring them in. Okay, the Sydney Swans are the one everybody's talking about being oh, the team that's gonna drop out, and, and your facial expression shows the same kind of disdain I have for it because. I think way too many people are focused on that Hawthorne loss and how it looked mm -hmm. to kind of gauge. It was a very bad loss, but look at the history 100%. of those teams. Look 100%. at the history of those teams. 100% agree with you. But as I stated that day, Hawthorne's coming off the bye week. They mm -hmm. had two weeks to prepare for Sydney. Sydney had been playing previously. They looked tired midway through the second quarter. This port game coming up this week, I think, is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. If Sydney can go into Adelaide and get four points, that's gonna make most of this media most of the media response to them, I think is gonna then flip it on port. Mm. Because I I think whoever on it I like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to, to change your question, but West Coast is getting healthier. Yes. Shuey's coming back soon, and I think they're still going to get at least four games at home. So mm -hmm. I think West Coast is going to do enough to stay in. Richmond, it's the same thing. It's Richmond all the time. Unfortunately, I can't they, count they Richmond kinda, no matter what. They're the zombie that you can't seem to shoot in the head, unfortunately. Right. They just keep coming, unfortunately. Yes, they have the four points back from West Coast, in Sydney, but honestly, I, I I'm going to state it now, and I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here. I think the loser of the Sydney Swans Port Adelaide game is much more ripe mm -hmm. to fall out mm. than West Coast and Richmond, mm. as I see it currently. Again, Richmond Just wait till really we get our tipping. I guess got to stick around till the end of the show. Richmond really doesn't have that difficult to run. If I remember correctly, I think they only play Brisbane and Geelong, and that's it when it comes to the top mm -hmm. eight sides the rest of the year. I so, think the biggest game besides Brisbane and Geelong, um, they do, I do want to point out their uh, second to last game of the year is going to be against GWS at Giant Stadium. So that exactly. is going to be a huge, extremely pivotal game, uh, more and than likely. And here's the other thing many of many of the media are pointing out. Sydney's next three games are against fifth, seventh, and second currently in the ladder as we speak. But here's the one thing most of those Melbourne media seem to always forget. After that game against the Western Bull after their last game, which is against the Western Bulldogs, 
all they play is GWS and ninth, and everybody else. Hey, what you mean is all you play? <laughs> when it Just comes, when it, they only have three of their last eight games, or three of their last nine games are against teams in the top eight, which, mm-hmm. by discussion, are usually tougher games. Again, so I'm could not easily go like they could go four and four, and they could make the finals. Exactly, and yeah. that's and but here's here's the, this three game set here with Port. West Coast and home, and then back to to Victoria for the Western Bulldogs. If I'm a Sydney supporter, if you can go one and two out of those three, it's a win because most people are already saying lost to Port, lost to West Coast, lost to Western Bulldogs. I can almost guarantee because they see the Hawthorne result. Mm-hmm. So right now, again, because we're they're paging the 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 the. Sydney Swans of the Hawthorne game. I don't think they're going to see. I don't think Port's going to get the Sydney Swans that play the Hawthorne Hawks. I don't think so. I think they're going to get a fresher, more active, much much healthier team. In fact, I think Chad Warner should be back for that game. And there's even potentially Errol Goulden could be back mm-hmm. for this game if he gets in the roster. We will have to see again. That'll all just kind of goes how tra- how training goes. In, in Sydney, but I think the loser of the Port Sydney game, um, I will I will not say who my tip is as of right now. <laughs> Gotta save I, that to then. I, I will sure not I will save that for later. Now go outside ninth and tenth. Mm-hmm. GWS Essendon, Frio Frio fans, I love you, but I don't know if you have enough offense to make up the one the twelve point deficit you have in percentage to Essendon. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you're going to get in right now. I'd love to see you be there. I just don't know if you have the offense to be able to get there. So let's, I, I'm not trying to put a line through you for you, but I'm going to just for this discussion, Essendon GWS, which team gets in. Unfortunately, Essendon's next two games are very, very difficult. Geelong, Melbourne, unfortunately, I just don't know if you have enough strength to beat those two teams. They're playing really, really well. And losing eight points, not getting eight points in these next two games could be critical because Mm -hmm. you could fall even further behind GWS at GWS win, which I think they have a really, really good shot of getting a couple victories over the next two rounds, especially with Hawthorne coming up this week. So honestly, I think GWS is the only team right now outside of the eight that I think that could potentially get in. It'll just kind of depend on their schedule. Again, they have Hawthorne this week and then they have Melbourne so it's it's kind of one win, one loss potentially. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what Melbourne team are you going to go get? Are you going to be getting after that? And then you have the Sydney Derby in round eighteen with the Sydney Swans, which again could be absolutely critical at that time for both mm-hmm. of these teams because you could see eight and nine at this point with the winner being in and the loser being out. So. Yeah. I would say GWS right now is the team I see getting in. Mm-hmm. I see the loser potentially of Port Sydney being the team that drops out just because I think Richmond and West Coast are starting to pick up at just the right time. I would I would like to put a lot of weight into your, your take with Sydney and Port Adelaide. Um, probably the loser of that game very well might be the team that ends up missing it. With Sydney, I have... A lot of faith in them to at least finish within the top eight. Port Adelaide, I don't have faith in that team, but I still think that somehow they're going to finish in the top eight just because they might be able to scrape uh, together enough points against non-top eight teams uh, to actually make it in uh, because that's just kind of seems what they're going to do right now. Richmond, I will never say no to them. 
uh, just because more than likely you're going to be wrong. So for me, it actually is the West Coast Eagles, which I'm, I'm mostly worried about, or, or the team I like to point out mostly, to be the one to miss it. And keep in mind, between these four teams that we're talking about, it's all razor-thin margins, okay? There's not really, like, an obvious team that's going to drop out. There's not an obvious team that's going to stay in. But for West Coast, they are getting healthier, but they do have this tough stretch of games. They have this game coming up this round against the Western Bulldogs. Luckily for them, that is at Optus, but then they also have games against Sydney. They have games on the road against Adelaide. They got games on the road against Collingwood, uh, because I now say Collingwood over the last two rounds because I... It looks like maybe they're... I just don't know what to think of Collingwood. So I'm just going to circle that game. They do have Melbourne in round 21. That is an Optus. But it, it, it could be the Demons playing... Um, that's going to be a tough game to call. Can't wait till we have to do our tipping for that one. They have Frio um, at Optus. But technically, this is going to be a weird game to pick. Because both teams play great at Optus. But both teams are at Optus. Technically, Frio is the home team, so maybe they get the rub. I really don't know. But they also capped the season with the Brisbane Lions. So I see maybe four wins out of these last one out of these last games for them. Um, it, on the low end, it might be three. And then for GWS, the way it looks is that I see a floor of four win, a, a floor in these last nine games of four and five. Um, those games being Hawthorne, Gold Coast, um, Carlton, and Essendon. I see those games being wins. But where you might be able to get a little bit of leeway there is maybe the Sydney game, maybe the Port Adelaide game, and hell, maybe even that Richmond game. So I see a floor mm-hmm. of four and five, a ceiling of six and three, seven and two, if you're being really optimistic about this team. So I think GWS... If everything goes bad for West Coast, everything goes well for GWS, it could be GWS uh, hopping over the uh, West Coast Eagles for a final spot, probably number eight. But, well, man, and, and, it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, because here's the other thing. As, as I just went through it, because and here's how I think where many people are pointing out. So Sydney plays Port Adelaide this week. Mm-hmm. Then they have they host West Coast. Yep. Go down to Victoria for the Western Bulldogs. Then get the GWS Giants. But their final run home for a lot of people, it, it they say is smooth sailing. After they play Frio, after that, then the Essendon, and then their final three games are St Kilda, North Melbourne, Gold Coast. So if you're Sydney, you want to survive this four-game set with Port, West Coast, Western, and GWS. If you can go two and two in this, it at least sets you up with two in-between games of Frio and Essendon, which could go either way. Frio is at home. Essendon will be at Marvel Stadium as we speak currently. Again, we don't know how COVID's <laughs> going to do, how how that's going to go. Right. But but you look at it there is is if you get if you get out of two and two. So say hypothetically speaking you lose this game of the sydney loses this game of port beats west coast goes down to marvel goes down to marvel loses to the western bulldogs somehow squeak out a win against gws for this is for hypotheticals here yeah. you go two and two you get eight points out of it frio you should you should be able to beat frio at home if, if frio is still having injury issues Essendon down in marvel i think is kind of a 50 50 it's a coin flip We'll we'll give we'll be generous. We'll give Essendon. 
I think the final three games, St. Kilda, North Melbourne, Gold Coast, I think North is really the only one that if you're a Sydney fan, you're a little worried about because it will be at Marvel Stadium. But I think St. Kilda, Gold Coast, you should win. You should be able to beat North at that time. I think that could be massive. Winning at least four of your last five, I think, can get Sydney in. But again, it's just it's this horror run of four for the next coming back from the bye. Mm-hmm. If you're Sydney you will be wrapped if you're two and two. You'll be ecstatic if you're three and one. Like I think the Western Bulldogs is the only one you look at and you go, eh, you're definitely that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Port, I think you can go into Port and win because I think Port losing Gray is, is a tough one. Um, going and playing West Coast, playing West Coast at home for some weird reason they leave Optus Stadium and for some weird reason something <laughs> goes nuts. I don't know what it is. And GWS, you've got all that momentum. The the rosters are a little bit different. It'll kind of depend on what the pressure is like on GWS at the time, mm-hmm. how their next couple of games go. So it's going to be a crazy next five or six rounds to see how this, this ladder is going to change, is going to flip, and I cannot wait for it. Ultimately, what I think it really comes down to is a, if you're a outside, if you're a GWS or if you're Essendon, you're going to have to hit your ceiling of wins over this last stretch of games, and you're going to have to hope that someone in currently in the top eight is going to have to hit their floor in terms of wins if you really want to jump it. Um, it's a little bit, play good, get lucky, and like you said, Tanya, we're going to have to wait and see on this one, but I'm super excited, and I do have a strong belief that my Giants can find a way to make it into the funnels. Whether they're going to do anything with that, who knows? Uh, but it would be nice to at least see them make it, especially after choking it away uh, last season. But if you want to stay on the topic of the Giants and, and uh, finals contenders, let's look uh, at Toby Green and Joel Selwood because they've had some on-field issues uh, in round 14, and Donnie has some things to say, so please take it away. Okay. Now, I, I am... Call me a stickler, call me a stick in the mud, but I, I am I am getting thoroughly enraged that the fact that these continued punches are being allowed in the game. I, I agree with what, what pundit Dave King said is if you want to stop this crap from happening in the AFL, you got to start suspending guys. And I know Toby Green is a spectacular player, but when you punch Nick Newman in the guts, Everybody knew he was doing it on purpose. It wasn't an accident. You should start suspending these guys for this. It is absolutely embarrassing that the AFL continues to slap these guys on the wrist with these minuscule fines that are just absolutely ridiculous. And then to add on to, okay, Toby Green has got a record, but Joel Selwood, I am really sick of this. He's a great competitor Mm -hmm. mantra for this guy. This crap needs to stop now. When you punch a guy in the face, it is clear it's a punch. Anybody that can sit here and look me in the eye and tell me that is not a punch is BSing themselves, okay? That's a punch. That's a weak. Come on. I don't care what type of competitor you are. That is absolute dog crap that that was allowed, and he's going to get a minuscule fine for that. If you want to stamp this crap out of the game, if you want to get people stop punching each other, start spending guys for it because you're going to see it stop and stop quickly because guys are not going to want to miss playing footy. I understand Joel Selwood is a respected player, but if you want to teach this guy not to be able to get away with this crap, 
it needs to stop now. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You are not a great competitor. If you're gouging guys in the eyes and punching them in the head while they're down, that is nowhere even close to competitiveness. That is just, pardon me, Australians. I'm going to use a term you love to use uh, being a dickhead. (laughs) That's the way it is. I'm sorry. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be really, 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 angry about this but it really irritates me that i see a game being absolutely crapped on by a couple of guys that are so much better than this toby green is too talented a player to pull these crap off joel selwood you're a captain act like it come on respect the game respect your opponents and maybe maybe just maybe you'll get it back because if you continue to do this crap maybe people will start doing it to you and then maybe you'll get that it's not such a good idea come on Pull your head in, mate. Pull your head in. Oh, I've been waiting uh, a little bit to hear that. And, Don, you did not disappoint me. It seems like, at least for uh, all of our American listeners, a bit of a Brad Marchand, if you want to call him that. And I guarantee you, um, since I'm a fan of Toby Green, I think his antics are funny. But I guarantee you that if I wasn't a fan of this team, I probably hate the man. If I'm being if I'm being honest, it's just, I definitely do have a bias towards him just because he puts a lot of points on the board. So I'm going to love him. Like you, the Boston Bruins fans, they love a little bit of Brad. Uh, but to everyone that isn't a fan of that team, they're a bit of a rat. Uh, so completely well, and, and understand. Don't, don't get and don't get me wrong. I don't hate these guys. I hate the actions. I mm-hmm. think they're incredible footy players, and I respect There's them. There's a as difference. Yes, I understand. Yeah. But when it comes to it, when you're so much better than that, it, that's the part that irritates me when it's not necessary. What are you gaining from it? You're not gaining an advantage. You're just looking like a dickhead. Come on. Yeah, I mean, probably not gaining too many fans with that one. Hell, uh, you might... Especially not opponents. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Especially not opponents. Shoot, you might be uh, going a little Gold Coast when it comes to trying to gain some fans. and just might not be going as well as you hope it would. Uh, But Donnie, it's that time again of every show. Give us your theme of the round. Oh man, from from my from my rant to my to my to my awards here. All right, to team well, of the round. from one negative rant to a positive rant, so it's all good. Exactly. This, this team of the round was fun. Yes, there was only five games, but there was still a lot of a lot of great uh, great performances. So let's hop on to it. Two of the defenders, a record setter here, Geelong's Tom Stewart, twenty-seven disposals, fifteen intercept possessions, six score involvements. 13 marks, 696 meters gained for the rugged defender from the Geelong Cats. Essendon's Nick Hind, who I discussed a little bit earlier, 25 disposals, a goal, 10 10 intercept possessions, four score involvements, two marks, and 745 meters gained from Mr. Hind. North Jack Zebel, 32 disposals, 13 intercept possessions, two score involvements, five marks, and 770 meters gained from Mr. Zebel. The Western Bulldogs' Caleb Daniels, 27 disposals, three score involvements, 
three marks, five clearances, six tackles, and 579 meters gained for the um, vertically challenged yet very talented Caleb Daniels. Hawthorne's Jarman Impey, 25 disposals, five intercept possessions, six score involvements, 10 marks, three tackles, and 409 meters gained for Mr. Impey. And last in my defenders, Darcy... Ports Darcy Bryce Jones, 25 disposals, a behind, four intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements, six marks, and 270 meters gained for What's the What's up final with defender. anyone being named Darcy being really good at footy? For some weird reason, it just seems to be very popular. We'll jump in. We'll jump to the ruck, and a new ruckman joins the rankings Ooh. as Mark Mark Blitzovs from the Geelong Cats, 19 disposals, four intercept possessions, two marks, 26 hitouts, and nine clearances for the ever athletic Ruckman this week for from the Geelong Cats. And all it from, took we, for a new Ruck to make an appearance was Collingwood not playing, I guess. <laughs> Collingwood or North or Melbourne not playing. <laughs> the Rucks were a little bit more difficult this week because there <laughs> the, there was not Darcy wasn't there from Frio. Uh, Brody Grundy, Max gone. Uh, it was really, it was really kind of one of those. It was, it was interesting finding two really good ruck performances this week. <laughs> unfortunately, we jumped to the midfielders. Hawthorne's Tom Mitchell, thirty-six disposals, a goal, two behinds, ten score involvements, two marks, six clearances, eight tackles, and four hundred and forty-seven meters gained for the Hawthorne ball magnate. The Western Bulldogs. He's here again. Marcus Bontempelli. 30 disposals, a goal, two dispo- two behinds, three intercept possessions, two goal assists, nine score involvements, five marks, eight clearances, seven tackles, 641 meters gained. I wish I could breathe. Holy crap. Okay, <laughs> we go on. Port Adelaide, we, we mentioned him earlier. He is just absolutely having an absolutely blinding season. Ollie Wines. 43 disposals, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements, eight marks, five clearances, six tackles, and 699 meters gained for Ollie Wines. Essendon's Darcy Paris, 24 disposals, a goal, two intercept possessions, two goal assists, eight score involvements, three marks, six clearances, and 529 meters gained for Mr. Parrish. Rounding out my midfielders is Brisbane's Lockie Neal, 30 disposals, a goal, four intercept possessions, nine score involvements, 10 clearances, 10 tackles and 262 meters gained for Mr. Neal. We jump to our forwards another week. And again, he's here. Port Adelaide's Connor Rosie, 19 disposals, three goals, a behind two intercept possessions, seven score involvements, three marks, four tackles and 247 meters gained. The man, the myth, the legend that is the package, Jake Stringer, 29 disposals, four goals, a behind, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, 12 score involvements, six clearances, seven tackles, and 677 meters gained for Mr. Stringer. Hawthorne's Luke Bruce, 14 disposals, three goals, a behind, a goal assist, eight score involvements, four marks, four tackles, and 206 meters gained for the Hawthorne forward. GWS's Jeremy Finlayson, 13 disposals, five goals, eight score involvements, 10 marks, and 237 meters gained. Mr. Finlayson's teammate, 
and who I just had a tiny bit of a rant, but I'll give him <laughs> a little bit of praise. GWS's Toby Green, 20 disposals, four goals, two behinds, a goal assist, 11 score involvements, eight marks, and 358 meters gained. Rounding out the starting lineup is Carlton's Harry Mackay, 13 disposals, three goals, two behinds, six score involvements, eight marks, and 278 meters gained for the Carlton's new signee, um, Mr. Mackay. Going to the bench, I, I had to give him a little bit of love because I think he really stepped up for Essendon this week. Essendon, my Ruckman, is Essendon's Sam Draper. Mm. 15 disposals, seven intercept possessions, five score involvements, six marks, nine clearances, 18 hitouts, 285 meters gained, and one hellacious mullet. I got to give him that. Okay. <laughs> we it. go. <laughs> We go to the defender. GWS is Nick Haynes, 22 disposals, 10 in 10 intercept possessions, three score involvements, 10 marks, and 237 meters gained for Mr. Haynes. My midfielder is Geelong's Sam Meningola, 27 disposals, two goals, six intercept possessions, goal assists, six score involvements, eight marks, six clearances, and 475 meters gained. And just like last week, a game-winning goal kicker is going to have to be in my team of the week. Mm -hmm. Forward, Gary Rowan from the Geelong Footy Club, 11 disposals, two goals, a behind, three score involvements, five marks, and 260 meters gained for the former Swan, now Cats. And that is my team of the week. And let's get on into the last couple segments of the show being the round 15 power rankings and tipping. And would you believe it, another week where Donnie and I have the same five teams, but there's just one switch in, in rankings. I swear this happened like the last five, six rounds. It's, it's really quite the blast, but at least we got... Similar ideas, not exactly the same, but our top three is going to remain exactly the way it was from last round, with that being one, two, three, Geelong, Brisbane, and Melbourne. It's You have to keep Geelong with a huge win in number one, then Brisbane, Melbourne, not really moving just because they didn't have any games and there wasn't really a team that passes them at this point of the season. But... Where the difference lies is in the last two. We got the Doggies and we got the Bombers making the top five. And not only do they make the top five, but for me, after a Doggies loss, in essence winning four of the last five, the only loss being against the Richmond Tigers, I got the I got the Dons number four, Donnie. All right, how, how do you like them apples? And I, I thought I threw the curveball with having Essendon at five. I thought you'd have, I thought you'd have West Coast there. Oh, oh. Donnie, come on, come on, come on, hold up, hold up. Well, the people watching the YouTube videos see my reaction when you said we had the same five teams. I went, what? Right. But the thing is, I, come on, I, you can't out hot take me. I am, I'm always the one that goes a little bit bolder. So once you think you go bold, oh yeah, I go a little bit extra just to get that that one up on you. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it was a bold take. It was just I, I thought I, I looked at as I've said, form form is one of my things that I love to take, and I yeah. looked at it. Oh my gosh, Essendon's four out of the last five, mm-hmm. and their one loss is to Richmond, who's in the top eight. So it's like. Yeah, I can't not give him a little love here, so that's why I put him at fifth. But but I, I see your point. I mean, I mean, Bulldogs did lose this week, but I, again, this is that's a noble loss to Come a really I, I good. Mean, I say team. lose. I mean, let me defend myself real quick. Yeah, they they lose on paper, but 
it was a really, really close game, and you lose to the best team in the league. It, not the latter, but in our opinion, you lose to the hottest team in the league by after the siren goal. Obviously, that's not a bad loss by any sense of the word. That's not like Melbourne losing to the Magpies, but a loss is a loss in Essen. What? Nice. So... You, you, you got a value. You got a value argument. Four out of five. You got I mean, a value who else argument? is going to be on here? Is the thing though, Donnie? Port Adelaide. No, I don't like them. Sydney. They're close, but also they got that, a... lost, that loss to Hawthorne really, yeah. really kind of kills them. West Richmond Coast, has Richmond, Richmond has lost two of their last three. West Coast is kind of West Coast is still kind of. There's still a few question marks there, and I think they were two and I think they're three and two in their last five. So we'd love to so put I, GWS I, up there, but two rounds ago you tied North Melbourne, so hell no, you're not getting top five after that. I don't know the draw. The draw is still a semi win, but I don't know. But it just. Yeah, I, I couldn't I could not give Essendon a little bit of love. It's it, it, yes, it's Hawthorne, but that's a Hawthorne team that plays Tassie really really well. Yeah, you get a big win. You've won four out of five. Your only losses to Richmond on the road, and you played them close for three and a half quarters. I got to give them a little bit of love, and they got a nice test this week playing Melbourne this week. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that one there. That will be an exciting game of footy to watch. Oh, that's gonna be a great game. Uh, let's know, love it or hate it. Uh, our power rankings. Let's see if you guys have some uh, differences there. Some team that we might be a little too cold on, and then maybe a team we might be a little bit too hot on. We'd love to see what you guys got for us. But let's cap things off with our round 15. Tipping Donnie 5-0 from last round. Definitely better than round 13. Both of us. Oh, that was a bad, bad <laughs> round. <laughs> uh, and for me, you know, 4-1. and one, I tried to be a little bit bold with... Uh, Gold Coast, but obviously, like we already mentioned, that did bite me in behind quite a little bit. But I want to tip the hell out of this first game. Another fantastic Friday game between the Brisbane Lions, the Geelong Cats, at the Gabba. This is going to be nothing but exciting. Donnie, who are you taking in this game? Oh, man. Everybody would say, okay, so Geelong comes off a great win against the Western Bulldogs. Geelong is playing really, really well. They go to Port and win the game before that. But I'm going to pick Brisbane on this. It's up at the Gabba. Brisbane always plays the Gabba really, really well. I'm, you do have history. This mm-hmm. is the controversial ending where Geelong gets the win because of the no no holding the ball call. So I'm very two? interested that was around it was around two or three it was one of those two right there let's here we'll, we'll double check it right here we're going to go back that check and let's it see is round two round two. two was the round where that happened nice nice memory <laughs> i'm gonna go brisbane on this i'm I, I think brisbane coming off the bye zorko will be zorko uh, coming off the game against north melbourne you survive mm-hmm. it you're back at home zorko's back in the lineup i think they're getting a little bit healthier i just for some weird reason, when you when you're a little bit older team, sometimes these back to back tough games, the second one you're usually not as sharp, and you had to survive the game against the Western Bulldogs. You come up against a a vibrant, not really tested, massively Brisbane Lions team. I'm going to go the Lions on this one. Primarily, they're at home. They have the younger legs. I, I'm going to go Brisbane on this, but I don't think this should really hurt the Cats. I think this is under two goals. I think this is another absolute cracker on Thursday night footy. Man, isn't this uh, just – yeah, thank you, Thursday. Um, isn't this just a really, really close game? Uh, this is going to be some mm, high-quality stuff right here. I'm super excited to, uh, to see all go down. Uh, there's a lot of signs I say Brisbane – 
But also, I'm looking at the signs that are going to lead me to tip Geelong. I just like the wave of momentum that they've been riding. Uh, footy, like a lot of other sports, it's a huge game of momentum. And Geelong is carrying that one, getting a huge win over the Doggies team. Brisbane struggling in their game against North Melbourne. Uh, and I like Geelong more than I like Brisbane, just because I feel like they're... They're two very good teams, very competitive. I feel like Geelong might just be a little bit more, I guess, put together. I like the, a little more of a veteran presence and, and not like an old team, but they're definitely tenured and, and they've been in every situation that you could throw at them. So I like this. I like I like the form that Geelong's running with. Science, I mean, it, it does, it's going to be tough that they're playing at the Gabba, but I can see Geelong pulling this one off. And if Geelong versus the West Coast or the Western Bulldogs wasn't match of the round, man, this one very might be. Uh, moving on to the next game, though, between Richmond and St. Kilda, uh, especially at the MCG, I'm taking Richmond. Uh, I, it might be closer than than uh, maybe expected. It's probably not going to be a blowout, but there's a, I, like, I like the Tigers in this one, man. There's no way I'm picking the Saints. Uh, as ugly as the Saints season has been, it is so hard. And I think Richmond, MCG, yes, there'll only be about 20,000, 30,000 people there, but most of them will be Richmond fans. Yeah. I think St. Kilda's fans are slowly starting to get that this season is a lost cause, unfortunately. The whole issue with the club not backing players going home really kind of frustrated me a little bit. They're kind of on my you-know-what list along with – Along with Joe Selwood, no, I'm, just, I'm, just <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I don't Richmond think anyone's worse point. on your list than one pundit to not be named that was talking about not going home for certain childbirths. Let's want to put it at that. Yeah, let's 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 not go with my wrath on that. One. I think Richmond. I think Richmond wins this one. I think Richmond wins it big. I think they're they're coming back fresh. They're coming back healthy. I think. Unfortunately, St. Kilda gets a Friday night footy matchup, and they, they, it might be a public destroying, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I'm kind of looking forward to this one if you like a little bit of offense in your footy. Uh, the next game between North Melbourne and the Gold Coast Suns is that it, I really like North Melbourne in this one, especially with the whole after post-round 12 thing with the, with the Suns that they got going on, with how gritty and how good this uh, – or how – I guess exceeding expectations. I, I, if you want to put it that this Ruse team has been, I like the Ruse. I like them by a couple goals in this one too. I am with you on this one. I got North Melbourne again. The Gold Coast fade, unfortunately, is in full effect. I think North Melbourne, as I said, against Brisbane, they're they're a tough, gritty side. I think they are going to beat this skilled. Uh, not as hard a working team to a pulp in this game. I think North Melbourne. I think North Melbourne wins this on grit and toughness. To be completely honest with you. Next game we got at Marvel. Uh, so shout out to Richmond not having to play there at this this round. Apparently, it's a big deal for you guys. So so congrats. Uh, but we got Collingwood and we got the Fremantle Dockers. This is going to be Collingwood's, Collingwood's uh, first game in the post Nathan Buckley era. And if they keep the things going like they have played the last couple rounds, I really like them in this game. I'll tip Collingwood. I'm going to tip Collingwood on this one, but this one scares me a little bit because <laughs> Darcy, Moore is, Darcy Moore is down with a knee injury, but it sounds like you could potentially get both Brody Grundy and 
Adams back for this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm banking on both of those two potentially being back. And just the fact that Fife is not Fife is not back. You're going on the road. Unfortunately, this Frio team, for some reason, they leave the confines of Optus, and their horrid goal kicking gets worse. Which, is that is is maybe it's not a team thing. Maybe it's the curse of Optus. You are always going to be really good at that stadium, but anytime you're not, you're just not good. You're you're going to play poorly. Maybe that's yeah. the thing, man. But even even with the, even with those, if you get those two back, yes, you lose more. I think Collingwood being at home playing Frio who's on the road. I I'm, I'm going to go Collingwood on this one. I think they've got a little bit more of the mojo back. If I'm coach Harvey, I, I try not to change very much. Mm-hmm. I try to keep everything as, as similar as it was under box these last few weeks because it's working yep. and go with it. And I think it's definitely a possibility. Sorry to my Frio fans, but I, I'm going to tip Collingwood on this one. Next game, Essendon and Melbourne. And while I am going to tip Melbourne in this one, I would not. I think this might be uh, my my upset. Like, if you want to put upset alert out there, I am going red alert on this game. Essen does have what it takes, uh, quite possibly, to to pull the surprise on this one. I think this is a, the game where you really want to watch out the most. Uh, could be a bit of a trap game for Melbourne too, coming off of by Essen riding a, a nice little hot streak that they got going on right now. I like Melbourne, but if it comes within two goals, one goal, I'm not going to be surprised in the least. I, I'm completely with you. I, I have Melbourne. This is one of those head versus heart tips. Yeah. My head right. says Melbourne because Melbourne has been the really good. Best team of the entire year. But this demon teams, they just, they have me. They have my attention so mm-hmm. much over the last few weeks. I agree with you. If this game gets to midway through the fourth quarter and it is two goals or less, Essendon is in this. Essendon can pull the upset. I think they've got some of this, the right talents in mm-hmm. the places that I think could give Melbourne some headaches. We'll definitely see. My head, I'm going to tip Melbourne, but my heart, I'm going to be barracking for Essendon in this game because I think it is going to be an absolute dandy, and this is going to be a run of several games where I'm, I'm going to tip one way, mm-hmm. but my heart's going to tell me another. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Let's maybe with your heart. Let's uh, look at this next game here. You're tipping on this one taking place at the Adelaide Oval. We got Port Adelaide and the Sydney Swans. And given Port Adelaide's record against top eight teams this season being winless, I'm gonna have to tip the Swans on this one. But it's gonna be a really hard fought game. I'm gonna pull like I did earlier in the year. I'm gonna tip Port because Port is at home. But I'm hoping the Sydney wins this one. I just I don't know. I, Again, I am I'm gonna play the pessim I'm gonna play the pessimistic Swans fan when it comes to my tipping only because earlier in the season it seemed to work. I mm-hmm. they played Brisbane, I tipped Brisbane, Sydney wins. I tipped Geelong when they played Geelong and Sydney wins. I <laughs> I tipped Richmond when they played Richmond and I'm I'm Man, I'll blame it. Do what you gotta do to, to get I, the I'm, win, I'm hoping I'm hoping that it works, but again it's one of those where I wanna see what Sydney shows up. Mm-hmm. Is it the Sydney that showed up against Gold Coast and Hawthorne that horrible to the footy second place gets beat to a lot of the things, or is it the Sydney that played earlier in the year that is dynamic offensively, good defensively. They may leak a few goals here, but by the time they start leaking goals, it's already over. Mm -hmm. We will have to see how is the impact of losing Robbie Gray. That is the Mm -hmm. biggest thing in the first 10 minutes of the game. 
how do they replace Robbie Gray? Because if they don't, this could be a long day for Port if Sydney can double team Charlie Dixon and Connor Rose to the point where it's a lot harder for them to get open. Now, it is going to be a test. We'll definitely have to see. Selection will be interesting for that one, but I'm, I'm going to tip Port, but my heart's going to tell, and my heart, I'm going to be cheering, I'm going to be barracking for the Swans. Well, here's hoping that both Sydney teams get a big win uh, this round. And now the next game, we got the Giants at Giants Stadium against the Hawthorne Hawks. And while I am a little bit weary about this game, these Hawks, they, they do play a lot of teams competitively and maybe overperform or at least out, um, outshine expectations about this team. I'm expecting a little bit of a close game in this one. I'm expecting actually a fairly close game, a, a close affair, but ultimately... I have the Giants just because that offense is looking really potent. I'm not sure if the Hawks would be able to keep up with it. I'm I'm with you on this one. I got GW I got GWS in this one only because I think Matty DeBoer being back and Phil Davis, I think they're going to be able to shut down Hawthorne. Um the biggest thing I want to see is do, do you get Big Mummy back this round against the Hawks to kind of put a little bit of uh, um umph into some of the tackles and things like that. Um Toby Green, how well does he do? Does Finlayson and Green have another awesome day up front? Because I think they could have a field day against some of these, against this Hawthorne backline. So I'm going to tip the Giants on this one. I agree with you. I think it's close. I think Clarko mm-hmm. keeps this game close, but I think GWS pulls it out late. Next game of the round is going to be at Optus Stadium, the West Coast Eagles and the Western Bulldogs. And the last time I tipped against the West Coast it was when they were in Optus, and I was like, hey, let's be a little bold. Maybe they'll actually lose this game. Uh, I learned my lesson. I will never again tip against the West Coast, no matter the situation, as long as they're in Optus. It's going to be a really good game. Wouldn't be surprised if the Doggies pulled this one off, but West Coast. Uh, Nick Natanui, West Coast at home, so difficult. Potentially of Luke Shuey being back. I think this West Coast team is going, I think they could be hitting their stride at just the right time. Elliot Yo has two games into his legs. I think this forward line is going to give the Western Bulldogs absolute headaches. I think the midfield for the West Coast Eagles is going to have just enough to keep Bontempelli and Libba from absolutely blowing it open. I have the Eagles as well in this. Again, Optus Stadium Magic. I have the West Coast Eagles. It's so hard to tip against them. Even though how it doesn't matter how badly you want to get tip against this team, as long as there is Optus, it's uh it more than likely you, you just gotta go with the Eagles. Uh but the last game of the round is going to be at Marvel Stadium, Carlton and the taking on the Adelaide Crows and with what we've seen from Carlton I'm going to tip the away team here. I'm going to go with uh, maybe Big Tex getting three, four goals in this one and leading the uh, Adelaide Crows to a win because if the Crows want to win, they're going, and Tex is going to have to put up some points. It's really the only way they've been getting these wins this season. And I just like Adelaide marginally more than I like Carlton right now. I, I am with you on this one. I have Carlton and I have Adelaide in this one because I just I don't trust Carlton defensively. Yep. I think they're they're always good to give up a three four goal run, and if Tex can get going, I think the Crows can get get up and get on the lead here, and I think they can win this one. So I have the Crows winning this one as well. Well, there we go, guys. 
Footy's back. Uh, no more five rounds, so we're going to get a lot more action coming up for all of you. A lot more tipping and a lot more games for us to have the opportunity to get wrong. Um, so, <laughs> all all very, very exciting. I'm super pumped for this round. Uh, look, shoot, that's why I've been saying every round. I'm always excited for, th for this because, man, Australian football has just been uh, just insane this year with how many surprises, how many twists and turns the season's been taking. So, I'm really excited and I'm really worried about my tipping per usual. But, Donnie, heading into this pivotal Geelong and Brisbane game to kick things off in round 15... Uh, looking ahead to it, give me your thoughts on that game in one word or phrase. Oh, excited. I'm just excited. Nine games of footy, another amazing round of footy, some great matchups. A couple of ones I'm, I'm, I'm not so looking forward to watching, but so mm -hmm. many really, really good matchups this week. So I am super excited for the footy, not just one, but all nine. And then I, I showed you this before camera, but I want to show our audience. I just recently had something come in the mail. Let's see it. Unfortunately, I didn't get it from Australia. I actually got it from a really awesome company based out of Georgia here called playozzy.com, which I think has really been helpful for us footy heads over here to get access to footy gear a little bit quicker than having to order it from Australia. I just and got that this takes absolute beauty indigenous round footy in the mail a couple of days ago. Look at that gorgeous, gorgeous footy. Beautiful. I absolutely Beautiful. love it. I cannot wait to have that in the background. I'm working on eventually getting a nice little background instead of this nice white wall behind me. I finally get to show you up. For all you uh, guys watching on YouTube, all of you great listeners, um, I mean, not trying to on audio, but sometimes YouTube get, does get some perks. You can see a little bit of new and improved stage. Uh, and let's see uh, who can find the Easter egg uh, every every uh, round that we do this because it's going to be a little <laughs> bit fun just trying to pay attention to the background. <laughs> Yep. So I got that from playozzy.com. I'm super, I'm super excited about that. Um, so that, that's really, really cool. But oh, I thought it was a great, great lead, great lead into this round. Cause I, I loved the indigenous footy. I thought it was absolutely awesome. So I had to get myself one. So I'm excited for it. Now you just got to get the red shirt to match, I guess. Right. <laughs> I do have, I do have another red share in this. Maybe a red indigenous one. So. I don't have a red indigenous one. I didn't want. I didn't, it was a little. They're, they're not cheap. No, so they're I, not, I, man. I, I've been looking those sharing yeah. sir. A little more expensive, or they're actually quite a bit more expensive than like a what American footballer cost. It's kind of surprising, I've, but hmm. check out playozzy.com. I, I will. I will make. I, I will send you the web address because it's a little less expensive than going through the Australian one because you don't have to worry about international shipping. So well, it's a little bit of a of a mix because sometimes buying from australia is nice because the u.s dollar is stronger than the australian dollar so it's almost like it's a discount technically because you the dollar is more there <laughs> but they also have to pay like 15 or 20 bucks for shipping because it's across the damn pacific ocean so you really gotta do a little bit of math and pricing out Ah oh, man but it really is a lot of fun ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for sticking around to the end of this show um love all of you and really do appreciate your continual support of this uh every time i look at, at your responses whether it be negative or positive um i always am appreciative because like i said at the beginning of this thing this is a fan driven show and if it wasn't for you guys i mean i still be talking by just be talking to no one so thanks for giving a reason uh to talk it, it really does uh mean a lot to us uh but 
Check us out on the show, socials. Everything is linked in the YouTube description. Or you can just go to thefourthalong.com slash AFL for all your footy content. And ladies and gentlemen, we will see all of you after a huge round 15 with plenty of finals implications.